0: This is Richard Posit continuing the autobiography on the sidewalks of New York with the 17th chapter, Up on the Co-op Farm. After the Moose Jaw CCF convention, we left for Regina, the capital of the province. It was summertime, so the capital and its workforce were on vacation schedules. Doug Kelly had made arrangements for our group to be instructed in the functions of the Canadian provincial government. We visited government offices related to the new social programs introduced by the Cooperative Commonwealth Federation. The CCF had established an office of automobile insurance, which covered all vehicles in the province. We visited the Department concerned for health insurance, covering all people in the province. This program was later to become the basis for the universal health coverage of the Canadian health insurance system. We moved on to the agency concerned with the beginning of new industrial ventures in the province. We spent a good part of the day cramming in information about the network of agencies which were part of the social experiment Saskatchewan had become. To top off our visit, we were brought to the Parliament building. Each of us took a seat of one of the members of the provincial legislature. We were introduced to a provincial cabinet member named Cadbury. Cadbury was an impressive figure, tall with an angular face framed by a shock of white hair, which gave dignity to his presence. Cadbury identified himself with the Cadbury Chocolate Company. He was for that family. He used this to trace his own roots in the Fabian Socialism, which had been part of a 19th century English history. Some families of wealth in England had been attracted to the struggle to bring greater equity to the English class system. I had been acquainted with this struggle through my history course on 19th century England in Worcester. Cadbury said he was proud to be part of the social democratic movement now planted on a North American continent in Saskatchewan. He spoke of the importance of the work of the CCF and expressed the hope that we would take this measures back to the United States. As I listened to him, I began to feel a part of a new history taking shape in North America. I was even more convinced of the road I had taken. I also felt encouraged to be in such good company. (music) Doug Kelly in the meantime had not been idle he had made inquiries about work possibilities for some of us after we finished our tour. There were about six of us who wanted to stay in Canada and work. It was not usual for Americans, or even foreigners, to get employment without proper procedures, but Minister Cadbury had worked it out that four of us could get employment on a cooperative farm which the provincial government was beginning north of Prince Albert in the Carrot River region. It would be room and board and a small stipend, which would not be considered taxable income. Four of us immediately signed up. The four hardy model-team writers, Vernon Smith, David McCallum, Eastcott Maines, and Richard Pothig. We were attracted as much by the thought of being part of a socialist experiment as by whatever small stipend we might get. Since this kind of work did not attract anybody else, the work in Carrot River was ours. Kelly sketched out the remainder of the study tour. The plan was to travel on to Saskatoon and the University of Saskatchewan after our stay in Regina. Here, the formal study trip would end. People would go their separate ways. The Model T-4 would travel on to Prince Albert and beyond to Carrot River Country. The vision of an untamed North Country sounded a challenge to us. The cooperative farm folk would be notified that we were coming. They were to put us to work and anything they needed to be done. The cooperative farm was another of the experiments of the CCF government, returning Canadian GIs, those serving in the armed forces, were offered a half-section of public land, or 320 acres, to farm, with the condition that it would be theirs as part of a cooperative venture with other XGIs. Another portion of land was to be set aside by the provincial government as the site for a town. The town was to be planned so that the facilities would also be cooperatively maintained. Homes would be built within the town, while the farming land would be the outlying region. Beside all the necessities required by a community, the town square, with post office, school, churches, shops, there would also be a cooperative repair and maintenance shop for farm community needs. But all this was still in the future as we discovered. As we departed Saskatoon, we thanked Doug Kelly for the work he had done to make the trip possible. We bade our goodbyes to the other members we had been with since Madison, Wisconsin. It was early August. Some of the others planned to travel further west in Canada to Alberta and British Columbia, but most were heading home. We set out toward Prince Albert in Maine's trusty Model T. It had served us well so far. The Carrot River and the Cooperative Farm were northeast of Prince Albert. Again we were traveling through miles of farmland. The soil was dark brown, in some places black. This was glacial till, left by receding glaciers long ages ago. We suddenly came to a wide open, long depression in a landscape. This was the Kayapel Valley. As we learned later, the soil here was some of the richest farmland in North America. The crops yields per acre were the highest in Canada. As we moved north from Prince Albert, there were now fewer farmhouses. The region was sparsely populated. The roads also became more primitive. The ruts were deeper, and they extended a long way. We became more anxious to get to our destination. We were not sure the Model T would survive the terrain. After a long, silent prayer, we finally came in sight of the Carrot River Cooperative Farm. It was actually a camp. The terrain established as the cooperative farm was as rough as the roads we had just come over. There was a small central building for administration. There were bunk houses and a mess hall. The rest of the community resources were a garage for maintenance and a lumber mill for sawing and planing the wood for the houses. The people were genuinely cordial but disbelieving. These were pioneer circumstances. What in the world made you choose this place to come to work was the first question. We told them about our trip and our interest in the work of the CCF government. This provided a partial answer to their inquiries. They still couldn't believe that as Americans we wanted to be in Carrot River Country. we were each assigned to a bunkhouse and a cot, we quickly picked up the schedule for meals A bell rang three times a day each morning, high noon, and at 6 o'clock. You made tracks to the mess hall if you wanted a regular meal. It was important to be there on time. Free time was yours to use as you would. Since there was little in the way of entertainment, there was either conversation or turning in early. Most of the work on the cooperative farm was heavy. The land given to the settlers was rough, uncleared terrain. There were deeply rooted trees and boulders still to be cleared before the land could be used for farming. Everyone in the camp pitched in to clear the total area assigned to the cooperative farm. A person did not just work on his particular piece of land. Equipment was assigned. By the provincial government to help in the land clearing process. A crane, tractors, and trucks were all part of the cooperative farm's common property. The lumber mill was also part of the common property. Since the lumber mill was the lightest work, this is where we were assigned. We were to help cut and plane the wood which would be used in building. The timber came right off the land. The cut and plain lumber would be used in the housing and the community facilities built by the settlers. Most of those who had opted to be part of the cooperative farm had agricultural experience. The work of clearing land, building farm buildings, and maintaining farm machinery was natural to them. There were some people who had been attracted to the cooperative farm because of the social philosophy. All cast a lot together to get the experiment off the ground. On Sundays, there was a worship service, which was held in the dining hall. A seminary intern from the United Church of Canada Seminary in Vancouver, British Columbia, was assigned to work as part of the traveling ministry in the north country of Saskatchewan. I had several conversations with him on his visits to the camp. He was surprised to meet an American seminarian in what he considered to be a strange place for a religious learning experience. We did, however, agree that the cooperative experience lent itself well to speak about the biblical understanding of community and about sharing goods in common. Like the regular meal times, the Sunday worship service was called together by a bell. It usually took place on Sunday morning with only the truly stalwart in attendance. Sunday afternoon was for naps and quiet time. It was one of the stretch of non-activity which hard-working men and women took advantage of after a week of hard work. The seminary in turn tried to be regular in his Sunday schedule, but as was already evident, the weather and the roads were not always congenial to schedule keeping. One mid-Sunday afternoon, the bells shattered the normal Sabbath quiet. Believing it was the call to dinner, the men rolled out of their cots into their long johns and their blue jeans and overalls and made the mad dash to the dining hall. There to greet them was our smiling and young seminarian intern, ready for the service. There was no turning back now that everybody was seated. The service that Sunday had its largest attendance of the summer, mostly of confused and somewhat disgruntled worshippers. As the four of us discussed the Cat River project, we recognized that it was in its initial stages. It was difficult to assess how the experiment would fare after the town was established. These were the many indeterminables. After living in a bunkhouse for a month with those who had a stake in the cooperative, I saw a strong resolve to give the project a try. There were still many people who remembered firsthand the Depression and the effects it had on their families. Few people had ever thought about the cooperative movement before they committed themselves to this experiment. They had bought into the cooperative because they saw the possibility of having a community of support in tough times, should tough times ever come again. We came away from Carrot River impressed with the commitment of the men and the women. There were some wives on the cooperative farm to work toward building a different kind of community. I never did discover whether the town was built and whether the community survived. It was a fruitful summer for me, one that had convinced me that social democracy was possible. friends in the Carrot River at the end of August. The week before we had left, there was an intermittent rain. We left early on Sunday morning when most folks were sleeping in. They were kind enough to get us an early breakfast. As we headed toward Prince Albert, we remembered what the roads were like coming into Carrot River. Now we kept our fingers crossed that the Model T could get us down to Prince Albert and McAdam Roads. That was a vain hope. Maines was a good navigator. He was able to pick the ruts, which were steady for several miles. Then suddenly we would hit a deep rut and three of us would get out and push. This worked for another 10 miles until we hit a quagmire. Nothing we could do would move the Model T this was early Sunday morning. I thought we could be here all week. Nobody travels this road. We saw down the road about a quarter of a mile a farmhouse. That was our only hope. It was about 7:30 in the morning. Who would rouse the family? We all decided to go. Maybe our numbers would make our plight more convincing. The farmhouse was far back off the road. We trekked back through the mud. Not a sound of life, nothing moving in the kitchen. We knocked at the door, no answer. We knocked again, a stirring, we waited. Down the stairs came a pair of bare feet. The door opened, a lanky, craggy faced farmer, abruptly awakened, peered out at us. All I saw was a tired man in long johns. What can I do for you? "'We're stuck in the mud and can't get our car out,' we said in harmony. He grinned a big grin. "'Not used to our Saskatchewan roads, eh?' We looked at one another in relief. We had come to the right house. "'I'll be with you as soon as I get dressed,' he said. "'What's happening, John?' came a voice from an upstairs bedroom. "'Some folks got stuck in our Saskatchewan mud. "'I'm getting the tractor.' "'In a while, he came out of the barn with his tractor and a set of chains.' He drove the tractor back up the road where the Model T was forlornly sunk in mud. With an even bigger grin and a shake of his head, he attached the chains to the bumper on the Model T. Haven't seen one of these things in a long time. He pulled us out of the mud and rode down the road until he found a place with less dramatic ruts. We offered to pay him for his trouble, but he considered this a neighborly duty. Just choose your ruts carefully and stay in them until you get to Prince Albert he said and he waved us down the road and got back into his tractor this episode topped off an eventful summer for us in Saskatchewan e scott mains, david mcallan and i continued on to Winnipeg manitoba vernon smith headed further south toward kansas and home There was another CCF convention in Winnipeg. The Manitoba CCF had not yet been successful, but by now we were staunch supporters of the party. Since Maine's intended to travel east to cross Canada, I decided to part company with him in Winnipeg. My schedule called for me to be back in Weirton, West Virginia, to be best man in my Worcester roommate Bill John's wedding to Mariana Paul. I had less than a week to make it to West Virginia. My hitchhiking luck held out in Winnipeg. I met a married couple from New Jersey who were attending the CCF convention. They owned a chicken farm in eastern New Jersey and were members of the Socialist Party. They were interested in the CCF and especially excited about my ventures in Saskatchewan. Their interest was stimulated enough that they offered me a ride to Worcester. They were heading back to New Jersey and would drop me off on their way back east. It was a conversational trip. We identified mutual friends in the League for Industrial Democracy. They knew most of the Jewish leadership in the League since they were from the Jewish community in New York City. We established more ties when I said I had worked for the International Lady Gama Workers Union for two summers. I mentioned that in the fall, I would be working as student secretary for the League. That intrigued them even more. We talked about organizing a student left on college campuses, We went on to analyze the 1948 elections and the prospects of the Progressive Party. Time moved quickly as we shared stories and analysis. We made two overnight stops along the way, one in Minneapolis and the other somewhere in western Ohio. I said I would sleep in the car if they did not mind. They offered to help with motel expenses. I turned them down. They had been generous enough to provide me transportation. We arrived and was till late in the morning on the third day. The Fentons were delighted to see me, and were looking forward to a report on my trip. They gathered a small group together in their quarters that night to hear about my ventures in Saskatchewan. My summer was not yet over. I still had to make it to Weirton, West Virginia. That was for my roommate Bill John's wedding. I picked up a ride to Weirton with a Worcester resident attending the wedding. We finally tracked down the poor residence, high on a hillside overlooking the valley below. Bill was relieved to see me. Everyone was looking forward to the man from Saskatchewan. There were bets on whether I would make the wedding. Since Bill had not heard from me, he had appointed an alternate best man. I thought that was fair enough. I was still on the wedding party as an usher. I had a great story to tell of a summer well spent that more and more made up for the demotion.